Welcome to the Holistic Pharmacy Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Marina Buxov, holistic health coach, clinical herbalist, and functional medicine pharmacist, or just holistic pharmacist for short. Whether you're a healthcare professional helping to support the health of your clients or going through your personal healing journey, I believe you will find yourself right at home with this podcast. My co-hosts and I will be merging the scientific with the holistic all season long, as well as sharing stories that will touch your heart and challenge your mind. Please enjoy the show. Hi everyone, I'm super excited to be back with season five of the Holistic Pharmacy podcast. And I have some announcements and updates to share with you about what I've been up to during the break between seasons. I've partnered with the Pharmacy Podcast Network to expand my reach and to collaborate with like-minded professionals. And I'll be changing the format of the podcast to include subject matter expert insights, journal clubs to dissect the latest literature together, and a regular functional medicine segment in addition to bringing you inspiring stories that have always been at the heart of this show. Joining me today and all season long are my co-hosts, Dr. Lauren Castle and Dr. Jenna Carmichael. I interviewed Dr. Castle earlier in season two, and Dr. Carmichael's interview will be featured in the very next episode, so stay tuned for that. We came together to share our perspectives on the various terms we commonly reference when in the realm of caring for a client's health. The slew of them can get quite confusing and overwhelming. Holistic, natural, naturopathic, integrative, functional, complementary, alternative, not to mention conventional and allopathic. Join us as we break it down and set the stage for the rest of the season. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. This is season five of the Holistic Pharmacy Podcast, and I am super excited for the new format we're going to be bringing on. So I'm going to be actually collaborating as part of a team of pharmacists, and I'm going to be bringing you guests each week in addition to um, regular co-hosts of special episodes. So we're going to be featuring things like the journal club of the latest research and information um, covering hot topics and natural medicine topics, as well as pharmacy topics. And we will also be featuring a functional medicine section um, where we're going to explore some interesting topics as well. And we're going to be interviewing subject matter experts of all walks of the healthcare industry, not just pharmacists. So I'm super excited. Welcome back to the show. I know we took a little bit of a break. So today we're just going to kick off season five in our inaugural episode with Dr. Lauren Castle and Dr. Jenna Carmichael. So these will be my two superstar co-hosts moving forward. And you've already met Dr. Lauren Castle in season two, episode 13. I'll link to that in the show notes. She's the founder of the Functional Medicine Pharmacist Alliance, and um, she's going to be regularly hosting the functional medicine segment of this podcast. And Dr. Jenna Carmichael, I'll actually be introducing her more in depth in our next episode where we do a one-on-one interview with her and her journey. Um, But just to say a few words, she is a holistic oncology pharmacist and health coach. 
So I'll just let them introduce themselves really quickly and then we'll get into today's really cool topic. Awesome, thanks Marina. I am super excited to be back on the show. Uh, so much has changed since our episode had aired and it feels like a lifetime ago. So very excited to be co-hosting with you and bringing more information about functional medicine, of course, which is my passion and bringing on some really exciting guests to share, you know, what they're doing with functional medicine, because we still have so many questions out there about what is it? How do I do it as a pharmacist? Where do I learn more? What different roles are out there? Are there jobs available? Can I do this in retail or hospital or consulting? So lots of different questions, and we're going to explore all of those in the functional medicine segments. Awesome. Well, I'm so glad to have you on board. And those are definitely the questions I get the most from other pharmacists. And uh, I know you are a great resource and FMPHA is a great hub of resources for that. So Jenna, would you like to introduce yourself? Yes. Hello. I'm so excited to be here as well. I'm Dr. Jenna Carmichael, and I have experience in the hospital space, in the oncology space. And um, as a previous residency program director, I am happy to host uh, the journal club section of the podcast. And I am still learning functional medicine myself. I'm learning these holistic modalities. And so I'm really excited to learn along with all of you to read these articles and to pick them apart and really see how we can apply these concepts to our clinical practices and to our own lives as well. Yes, I'm so glad to have you on board and to have you spearhead that. So today's topic, we wanted to first lay down the foundation and the groundwork for the remainder of the season uh, because the title of this podcast is Holistic Pharmacy Podcast, right? So we wanted to define what that really means and also bring in some other terms that are often bundled together like integrative and um, conventional, complementary, alternative, allopathic, uh, all these different things. And then of course, functional medicine. So what is the common ground among all these terms and what, how can we differentiate among them and where do we use one term versus another, what's appropriate? So I'm going to just share why I chose to stick with the name Holistic Pharmacy Podcast um, rather than change it to something else, because I feel that that is the all-encompassing term. So when I think about health and how we should practice healthcare, I think holistic is the term that encompasses all of these ideas that I just mentioned and all these terms into itself. So holistic to me means that it is um, encompassing of all views and walks and spectrums of health. It looks at the whole picture. That's why, you know, holistic, it has the root word whole in there. So that's W-H-O-L-E. So it's looking at the whole body and not only the human body also, I want to say, but also on the grand scheme of things, um, the body, the macrocosm that we exist in. Because for me, health is also about relationships and how we relate 
the parts of the whole to the whole. So we can think of the body as a whole. And of course, the who definition, remember that classifies health as this combination of the body, mind and spirit, right? That triage that through those three things is what needs to come together for whole body health. It's not just the physical body that we often focus on. So it's, it's that um, trinity, right? That trinity of the whole body, mind, spirit, and then also how we relate outside our body to our outside world, which will include things like our relationships, our environment, how we take care of the larger earth and how the earth can then in turn take care of us. So that's why I feel like it is the perfect definition from which to start a conversation about how to approach health. And the other terms um, are just ways that we can talk about um, the conversation, how we can contribute to the conversation and methods that we can apply for supporting the whole body, the whole mind, the whole spirit, and everything that I just mentioned. So that is um, how I want to start off the conversation. And then I'll open up to you ladies um, about any comments about holistic or the other terms that you often hear thrown about. Yeah, so I also thought a lot about this as well whenever I first started on this journey. Um, you know, I remember learning in pharmacy school in our, I think it was our OTC class, and we had a like one lecture and it was about complementary and alternative medicine camp. And <laughs> I was like, okay, so there's complementary where it is, you know, complementing our conventional modalities. And then there's alternative, which is like indicating that it's, it's an alternative to the conventional modalities. So that's kind of makes it sound like you know, where people start, start thinking about like pseudoscience or something like that. Like it's alternative medicine. It's not real medicine. So I didn't really like that term. And then that's where they also started saying, you know, if you combine conventional and complementary and alternative, then you get this integrative medicine where you're integrating all three of these different areas and having this healing oriented body, mind, and spirit approach that's combining conventional and CAM. So I definitely see, you know, a lot of um, the word integrative being used as well, which I think is a really great term. And I think, you know, when you compare something like holistic and integrative, I think there's a lot of similarities and overlaps um, there with that. Um, and then I got introduced to this concept of functional medicine. So then I was like, well, what's the difference between holistic or integrative and functional? And so as I started kind of researching and studying the difference there, what the Institute for Functional Medicine, uh, which is one of the bodies that helps to certify practitioners in functional medicine, they kind of boil it down as that all functional medicine is integrative. So you're still going to be doing all of these different types of modalities, which is kind of where it comes down to is it's just a difference in modalities um, that you might be using and the approach that you're using. 
But on the flip side, not all integrative medicine is necessarily functional. And so an example of that might be that someone is simply substituting a supplement for a drug to mask a symptom rather than treating the root cause. So if you're truly practicing in a functional medicine way, then you're actually going to be digging a little deeper to find out the cause of whatever condition you're treating, as opposed to simply using a quote unquote holistic method to treat the same problem without actually treating the root cause. So I think that is kind of a, a way to sort of differentiate it. But certainly I think anyone agree that, you know, if, if you're a practitioner and you're using any of these terms to describe your practice, it all comes down to what you resonate with and how you want to describe what it is that you're offering to your patients, whether it's holistic, functional, integrative, complementary, alternative, you know, any of those topics or labels really is, is all it is, uh, can work for you. And it's just being really clear about ultimately deciding how you want to practice and what you want to offer to your patients, regardless of what label or affiliation you choose to associate yourself with. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I also think of it in terms of like a pictorial or pictorial uh, diagram where there's like a Venn diagram thing going on. And there's, you know, like I mentioned, like for me, holistic is the all encompassing term. Uh, and then maybe there's some conventional even crossover for that that can happen. But a lot of it is not crossed over and then functional medicine and um, you know is is part of that of holistic um, and integrative for me um, is similar to I guess complementary whereas um, alternative that you mentioned is is exactly how I think of it is like something they use instead of or in place of what we think about as allopathic or conventional so there's an implication that they they can't work together. It's either one or the other. You have a choice. Uh, whereas complementary, you can add on like an adjunct therapy. So it could be something from the alternative realm, but you choose to add it on or slap it on. And then integrative is like the combination of like a complementary and a conventional treatment together. So there's like that center of the Venn diagram forming and then functional, like you mentioned, is about a system really. It's like a, a, a system of looking at how do we apply uh, the functions, the biochemistry, the nitty gritty of what we know in conventional medicine and how do we apply it in a holistic way where we look at all the factors working together. And there's like basically a system around that. So it's a systemic approach to how we actually go about um, applying this into healthcare. Yeah, I think that sums it up perfectly. So Jenna, anything to add? And I also know that we, we also throw words around like natural me medicine or naturopathic medicine. So like, what, where does that fit in? Yeah, I agree with everything. <laughs> um, and so I feel like 
I think when I look at this, I think of kind of my own journey into going from straight Western allopathic medicine into more of a holistic standpoint for myself. That was through yoga, meditation, stress management for my own health and wellness. And then finding that the things that I learned for myself were very useful for my patients when I was talking with them about helping them with their own stress management and their own dietary ideas. And so that meant that I had to learn more about what those things meant so that I could help my patients better. But one of the things that I really think in my mind kind of differentiates what we would call holistic medicine and integrative medicine versus say traditional allopathic or Western medicine is the emphasis on, on emotional health and mental health. I feel like our Western allopathic system does not delve into how important it is to have robust mental health and wellness compared to systems like Ayurveda or traditional Chinese medicine, where in those systems, they actually think and feel that emotions reside physically within certain organs of the body. And I have really resonated with this idea that anger is in your liver and by cleansing your liver that helps deal with anger and frustration that you feel. And to me, that is a, is a very good example of how you can utilize these types of modalities to help yourself, but kind of differentiates what I'm thinking of when I say Western versus holistic. Yes. Yeah, so why don't we also define what is allopathic? What is conventional? So for me being, you know, raised into, you know, and trained in that area, I would say that's, you know, your traditional hospital healthcare system that has your pharmaceuticals along with surgery and other sorts of things that are amazingly wonderful and life-saving in emergency situations. So if you're in a car accident, if you're having a heart attack or a stroke, we definitely am very, very grateful for the fact that we have Western allopathic medicine because they have prioritized this idea of when it is really important to make sure that we time things appropriately, we're going to get those things down right. And so we know that in the emergency room, it's time to needle when when we're talking about stroke victims and coming in so that way we can make sure that they have a good result. Um, but when we're talking about holistic health, in my mind, that's more about prevention, having that healthy lifestyle. So that way you have a good function throughout your lifetime and by, and, and being able to enjoy the, the years in your life, not the life or have those life in those years that you have. <laughs> Yeah. So I, when I think about allopathic traditionally that there's even differences in that in like mainstream medical, right? Because allopathic typically is associated with an MD, a medical doctor degree, whereas there's also osteopathic. So doctors of osteopathic medicine. And my understanding kind of there is, you know, the allopathic model is more focused on treating the disease whereas an osteopathic model is more treating the patient um, and also does have a bit more of hands-on approach as well as um, 
kind of that body's ability to heal itself. And so if you treat certain aspects of the body, it can actually facilitate healing. Whereas if you're using, you know, a strictly allopathic model, then we as the practitioner are having to intervene with medicine to create the change that we need to see because something is not working correctly. Yeah, absolutely. The way I think of it is even the word tradition to me um, implies like what has always been done versus what is, is now being done. So allopathic or conventional to me is like, what is the standard for care currently, right? But traditionally, it is actually not the model like that has changed. Whatever the standard of care was, has always changed with the times. So it has never been, um, you know, the all encompassing standard of care through all times because we're always evolving and there's always some different standard of care happening. So um, traditionally, I would say actually those um, what Jenna mentioned, like traditions um, like Ayurveda, like TCM, basically every nation that evolved and lived through the ages and whose historical records we actually get a chance to go and look through because of how well preserved some of these are so we can date it back to ancient Egypt and you know beyond that so every country every nation everywhere that people lived across the globe through the ages they developed their own systems of care and health care because uh, you know, they cared for themselves, for each other, and they wanted to support their health, and they wanted to make sure their loved ones were around for longer, um, you know, and then there's records of things like even breast uh, surgery being done in ancient Europe, um, Egypt from back then. So we, we have been evolving using all the tools we have, you know, setting the foundation of health, as we think about in holistic medicine, where it's, it is that foundation and that those pillars of health and the non-negotiables and the prevention. Uh, but then we also have the emergency medicine because emergencies happen. So both, both sides of the spectrum need to coexist to serve all of us that can have anything happen at any point. Um, but I do believe that, you know, traditional systems and models were more balanced in terms of how much they focused on one versus the other. So the way I see it is, you know, we have this scale, right? We have, we always have a balance in health and in just concepts in general. So when we focus our resources on the prevention, we can help a lot more people and we can potentially prevent some of the emergencies that keep cropping up. Um, and if we focus the other way, which is the way currently I feel our allopathic and conventional is set up, um, to focus on that emergency more, then we don't give um, the, the general population a chance to be healthy without intervention. So we were waiting until that last moment, until an emergency happens, and then we treat them. Um, so I would say traditionally, people would find ways to take care of themselves and to implement self-care modalities utilizing things like plant medicine that they could easily access without having to go to a hospital or to like an MD or somebody that, um, you know, has more qualifications than, than themselves. So it's about uh, each family, each person having the autonomy and the 
I, I don't want to say the body wisdom, maybe having some kind of secure way um, to trust their body's healing abilities and to utilize what's around them, what's directly accessible to support that healing before an emergency happens that where they do have to turn to somebody with the credentials and that needs to help them and step in. So if we properly balance our resources among these different traditions, we can really um, build a very strong system. Yeah, I, I love that thought. There is so, so much that really does go into more of a preventative model. Um, you know, and I think about that too, where, you know, this is also kind of an area where functional medicine, I think really does deviate from conventional in some ways is that even like the labs that we look at, we'll look at the same set of labs and come up with a totally different interpretation of them. So that just speaks to, again, at what point are we saying, okay, well, we're, you know, preventing diabetes because we're worried about your A1C moving from a 6.4 to a 6.5. Well, really you're starting to see insulin resistance more around like a 5.5 or even earlier. Um, so there's so much room there for interpretation in terms of at what point are we going to start making changes? You know, and again, that's where you said like that body wisdom, it's going to look different for every person. And at times, you know, I think that I want to see integrative and functional and holistic medicine become the standard of care, right? Like that would be the dream. Like if everyone embraced this way of practicing in healthcare, that we could prevent so much disease and suffering and pain, but yet at the same time, recognizing that if that were to be the case, is every patient ready for that? Is every patient truly going to be able to accept that guidance and, and that type of early intervention to say, you know, Right now, we see these signs of disease very early on, and we recommend these specific lifestyle changes, you know, because clearly it's, it's not at a level that we would start intervening with drugs or, you know, something of that degree. But we also recognize that not everyone might be prepared to to start really making those changes. And so we do have to still individualize it based on you know, what each patient and what each practitioner um, is really ready for. So I think there's just so much education that you know, we still have to do with our patients and, and with our own individual professions to just help bring awareness around you know, these different thought processes and different modalities and different ways of practicing so that everyone can kind of come to terms themselves with what they believe, what they feel comfortable in and what they're willing to commit to. And 
I also am a huge believer that baby steps are so important. So it's also very easy for someone who might be listening to this conversation. Maybe they're new to holistic or integrative or functional medicine. And they're like, whoa, I did not know it was this complicated. Like, why is it like this? And just knowing that it's okay to be where you are and to take your time in learning new things and taking your time to trying things. You know, I think Jenna talked about that as well, you know, for herself, having things that she learned that, and is still learning that she is integrating in her own life. And I think that is probably what I find is most interesting about all of this is anyone who is a practitioner who's on this path, that's on this journey, you know that they also are walking it with you as a patient themselves, because it is, it is not something that you really can just learn in a textbook. There is so much of it that comes from actually learning it through living it. So I think that's something else that just really sets this type of care apart from the traditional medical model. Because for most practitioners, you're going to hope that you never have to be on the same drugs that you're prescribing to your patients or undergoing a surgery that you're recommending to a patient. But certainly we all know that we need to move more. We need to eat healthier. We need to sleep better. We need to connect with our friends and family every day. We all know that we need to do those things. So that's what I think makes these modalities so much more fulfilling and realistic. And that's really encouraging to me. Yeah, I think there's a lot of power in that you are your own first and foremost patient walking this journey. And uh, I often think about, you know, the level of evidence, right? We have these degrees in journal clubs, for example, of like how, uh, what's the power of this study and this number and, you know, the number needed to treat. And we look at the numbers and we look at the rating of the evidence. Uh, but when you yourself are that case study from the least, you know, um, trusted source of evidence, it actually becomes the most important source of evidence when it's you, when it's personal, when it's your family member or your friend. So, you know, the power of one does exist and it's very important to individualize our approach and to also take into consideration the patients or the clients preference um, and their values and their belief system because the other thing that I've noticed is the placebo effect can be very powerful and I say why not harness that <laughs> right if somebody believes something um, why don't we encourage that for better outcomes so in order for us to change our belief systems and values, I think what you said is exactly right. Education is key, knowledge is power. So in order for us to draw any kind of conclusions, right, we need to gather more information. We need to 
put those observations down and study them. And science is always changing and always contradicting itself and finding new information and new patterns. So before we make that judgment call of what is the best model and what do we recommend as the best course of action, we need to examine the existing evidence in front of us. Um, so we can't really deny something without first studying it. Me and Jenna were having a little talk right before the recording uh, about how in pharmacy school, if you're a pharmacist listening to this, most likely you've been taught that there is no value in the natural medicine world because supplements uh, are not tested by the FDA and they cannot be trusted. Um, and you know, there's no evidence behind stuff. If you go on PubMed, there's not too much evidence on, um, you know, natural substances there. But at the same time, we're taught pharmacognosy and how we develop drugs from plant constituents, from phytochemicals. So it's like, hmm, so there's no value, but how come we're inspired by them? And so it gets you thinking like there's some kind of discrepancy. So in my opinion, we cannot deny or negate something out of ignorance. Like we have to actually go and look at the evidence before claiming there is no evidence or um, that evidence is not powerful enough. Um, we actually have to go the extra step and examine it and not just off the bat, you know, say, no, this, this can't be, I wasn't taught this in my med school or my pharmacy school. And I think to me, that's one of the hallmarks of this whole experience is this being able to be open-minded and to be able to find new evidence, change your mind from what maybe you thought before and to really just allow the majesty that is the natural plant world and the universe in general to just kind of a to wow you. I think that's one of the things that I've learned in this experience has been just to be open to the amazing opportunities that come through plant medicine that, you know, I can teach to other people, which I love. And I think that it's just learning and being open to learning. And of course, as pharmacists, that's part of our job description, <laughs> I feel like is to be able to constantly be up to date with the newest, greatest, whatever is out there in terms of guidelines and medications and things. And this is kind of the old, the old news, <laughs> the things that have been around for so long that the tried and true things, because obviously if they have been used for hundreds of years, they have to have some value to them. Yeah, I agree. I think there's a different level of evidence. Like we, we say, we valued the clinical studies and the RCTs and, you know, we rate all of that, but when we think about, like I mentioned, personal experience and how powerful that can be in changing our minds and our belief system, uh, because we literally are experiencing it, we can't deny it. Uh, or, you know, examining something that has been around for generations and still um, is useful and still can be applied today. Uh, so, so it's kind of harnessing both. So I also think about conventional medicine as bringing out the big guns, right? So it's great for when you actually need the big gun, but all the 
small, simple things that we mentioned as like going into the foundations of health, they're actually not that simple to implement because as a whole, you know, as a society, as a general, you know, um, way that we all live, it, we don't really value them. So if we just shift our perspective and our value system, and again, that's easier said than done, uh, but that is key, you know? So once we focus on something um, and hone in and give it a, a, the importance and the priority that it needs, then we can expect to see results. You know, we, we again, cannot just dismiss it without trying it out, um, without applying it, without applying it as diligently as we would a drug therapy. You know, even drug therapy, you need to take it every day for it to work. Most of the time, unless it's a self-limiting issue, most of the time, um, what we're talking about today is chronic conditions and, you know, chronic lifestyle changes that need to be done. So yes, for the emergency situations and the self-limiting things, the big guns are appropriate, yes. <laughs> but then for everything else that we, we see in our practices and even at the pharmacy, you know, when we are dispensing the medications, a lot of them, you know, over 90% is for chronic illness. And if you don't take it every day, it's not gonna work. <laughs> So um, the other thing about conventional therapy, I think, is that it does focus on diagnosing, which I respect, and it does focus on, um, you know, identifying disease states and treating the diseases. However, it does not focus on what made the disease happen in the first place, just like functional medicine, I'm sure Lauren will tell us focuses on root causes, right? So unless you identify why is that symptom co coming up? Why are you in this disease state? You know, why are you progressing to that? So Lauren was talking about trends, right? We're looking at the lab values and the trends, like where is this trending to? Is this trending towards supporting your health or getting off track? So unless we are noticing those trends early on and, and tracking them, um, and not just saying, okay, here you're in the red zone, here you're in the clear, nothing to worry about. Um, you know, you, you, you will miss stuff and you won't be able to bring out the little guns. You will need the big guns. <laughs> so um, there's like a hierarchy, right? Of when it's appropriate to implement what type of therapy and support. So if we start out by meeting the basics and the foundation, we will need less of the other steps along the way in the pyramid. Um, but again, you have to be as diligent about it and not just say, oh, this didn't work for me. I might as well just go try, <laughs> try the drug because it's easier. Um, because it's not easier. Because what the drug is doing, and again, many people will probably learn this through experience or maybe people agree with me, maybe not. But what I've learned is that it's not easier. <laughs> so I've learned that, you know, introducing this new factor, whatever that is, whether it's a drug or an intervention that you choose, it has consequences. So with drugs, we as pharmacists know all about side effects. So we are aware that there is a risk for something going wrong or something we didn't expect or something that we do expect, but we figure it's a risk benefit thing. So we're, we're gonna go for it. So, um, I think the reason why so many pharmacists are 
now um, interested in these new fields is because we see how um, how much of our patients are not really benefiting from the quote unquote easy choice of taking a drug um, because there are side effects, there are interactions, there are things that we don't want to see. Uh, and then there's escalations and elevations of doses. And there's you know a lot of things that we wish that we can help them with, but the system that we have set up now, we have the, the drugs as like our main form of therapy, I would say. Um, so, so the fact that people have to take this medication every day and it may have potential side effects, and then we may even treat those side effects with other medications as polypharmacy, right? Um, and then the thing is, a lot of times we mask our symptoms with those drugs. So <laughs> the underlying disease may still be going on and even progressing, but we're not even uh, paying attention to that because, hey, we're masking the symptoms. So the body's giving us those symptoms for us to turn it around and to help guide it back to health. But when we suppress the symptoms, we just forget that, that that's going on. Yeah, I think you touched on a number of, of different things, you know, things that are similar and different in, in how we approach things from a conventional standpoint versus, you know, a holistic standpoint. I love the idea of, of like this pyramid, right? And they actually teach this as part of like the naturopathic approach to therapeutic order. And in a sense, we do learn this as well in conventional pharmacy or medicine, right? Things like start low and go slow. Like every pharmacist knows that because we know, and we have to teach our patients this, that just because one is good does not mean two is better. And so it's very similar to apply that type of thinking with, with all of this and the bigger picture of all the different therapies and modalities and options that we have to treat, manage, or reverse disease. Right. And so you know, you think of that pyramid and a lot of people just assume again, that drugs are kind of like the baseline, but again, also in pharmacy school, first thing that we all learn before drug therapy is lifestyle interventions. So the problem though, is that we really don't spend a lot of time either in pharmacy or medical school talking about what those lifestyle interventions are. Or when we got out and we are practicing, being able to take the time to explain what those lifestyle interventions are to our patients. And, you know, I know Jenna has a health coaching background and that is, you know, the bread and butter of health coaching is it, the lifestyle interventions are so important, if not more important than any drug that you're going to actually take. Um, and so I think that as we kind of look at all of that and, and think about that approach, you know, what are all of these other foundations that we need to set with diet, exercise, stress management, sleep hygiene, but then, you know, that's just the foundation for optimal health. And then we also have, you know, what things can we do to help the body heal itself? What things can we then maybe add in to support systems in the body. And I think that is where, you know, things like botanical medicine and plant medicine can come into play 
things that, you know, aren't so much of the big guns, like we describe our pharmaceuticals really being, but, you know, using food as medicine, right? Even using different body work or chiropractic or acupuncture, all these other treatments that are much less invasive, right? And that have minimal risk, minimal side effects, if any, why can't we use these as well, you know, then move on to maybe more targeted dietary supplements or nutraceuticals. Um, even things like, like hormone replacement, I think is another area too, you know, that again, it's, it's something else that might be added in to supplement what the body needs. Um, which, you know, we can get into that in a future episode about, functional medicine, thinking about what things do you need to add and what things do you need to take away or remove to promote health. Um, but I mean, all of those different things can really come into play before we even get into pharmaceuticals or surgery. So we do inherently know these things and we, we do think about that, but we just don't actually spend the time exploring them. And Again, we talked about the, the evidence behind them and that being part of the reason behind that, because we don't have all of these, you know, robust double blind placebo controlled clinical trials saying that, you know, chiropractic versus a muscle relaxer or, you know, an herbal supplement versus a pill. It is very hard to try and compare those different types of modalities. And so I love the, the thought process there, you know, that the N of one is important. Um, and I think if we help to recognize that and understand that, that we'll be able to see, you know, hopefully over time more, at least case reports coming in of these different modalities. Um, and actually too, I'm super excited for some of the journal club articles because Cleveland clinic has a center for functional medicine and they've actually published at least two, I think three studies. Now, um, one of them was in BMJ. They've looked at functional medicine approaches to rheumatoid arthritis, as opposed to standard of care treatment. Um, and again, like there is, there is evidence out there. It is becoming seen and actually documented um, to better support all of these different ways of treating chronic diseases. Whereas we thought that, you know, the only way to do it was to add on a biologic or whatever the case may be. Well, now we are seeing through robust research that yes, food actually can work as medicine. So it's really exciting. I think, um, you know, to bring all of this to the forefront. I agree a hundred. And I think too, when I, the thing that kind of keeps popping into my mind as I go through all of this is this idea of personalized medicine, this, you know, in this age of genetic testing and all of these other things that we think of when we think of personalized medicine, 
this integrative approach, this holistic approach truly is personalized medicine because it takes into account what the person wants in their life, what their values are, what is important to them. You know, do we want to use herbal medications or do we want to use functional medicine supplements? They're probably going to do very similar things, but what is more important to you in your life? And that's the definition of personalized medicine. And that's really what this is about too, is what's important to that patient and their goals as well. Yeah, I think conventional medicine also recognizes that it's important to be patient centric. And we've been moving towards that, I think in like the past decade or so to become, you know, a team, right? A team of uh, the healthcare team approach where different modalities complement each other. And the patient is at that center and we are doing everything, um, you know, for the, for the betterment and for the best of our ability to take care of the patient. And that includes taking into account their value system and um, their preferences and they have a say. And so that's where, again, I'm looking back to the education piece is so important um, because we won't be willing to make changes, whether it's you know, how we talk about non-adherence, even with medications, it's not actually that easy for patients to even remember their medications, uh, let alone like implement lifestyle strategies. So all of this requires first and foremost um, education to educate the patient on what we know. So we will say, here are your options, right? Um, and this is why we feel like this is important and this might fit into your lifestyle. And then it's a conversation because they may have some other information to share um, or, you know, some new insight that we didn't consider about their lifestyle and their ability to implement these changes. So without asking and having the conversation, we won't know. So we're educating them and then they're also sharing with us what's possible for them and what's feasible for them. And that's exactly where I think health coaching also really fits in, uh, where we can be that member of the team that actually finds ways for the person to implement these recommendations. Because it's one thing, again, to just say, you know, okay, this is what I think would help you. And then it's another thing to implement it. And the person needs to be motivated to implement it. They need to be organized. They need to be disciplined. Um, they need to have the value that aligns, right? The belief system. They need to believe that this will help them in order for them to do it. Because if they believe it won't help them, they're not going to do it, right? Or they don't prioritize it or they don't value it. So um, that, you know, all of these things are so important because even if we have the solution in front of us, um, we don't know if the patient's going to take it and we need to support them in, in that journey and taking their own medicine and be their own healer, um, whatever that looks like for them. And so without this education piece and this conversation piece and involving everybody on the team and first and foremost, the patient or the client themselves uh, and listening to them. That's another thing, right? Listening and having them be comfortable in sharing with us, um, creating a supportive environment, also being uh, trauma-informed um, because all of these medicines that we discussed and all these modalities, 
a lot of them also touch on the mind body aspect, right? So there's a whole mind body medicine piece and energy work, um, which could be related to the chi or prana or other systems describe them as different things. And there's quantum physics, like there's so much, uh, but all of these can work together if we, if we are aware of them and if we listen to the patient's preference, plus we educate based on our expertise and then we work all together. Yeah, oh man, I get so excited. Like even just how much more we can uncover in this first episode, you know, talking about genetics and precision medicine and then going all the way to the other side, you know, I think about that as like, you're literally on like the DNA level and then jumping to the other side of like quantum physics and energy and how all of that plays into your health. I mean, it is just, it's amazing. And it's exciting when you think about that. And, you know, I think for patients that are feeling really trapped and stuck and overwhelmed and like hopeless in that they don't think they're ever going to be able to get better or heal from whatever they may be dealing with in their life. There are so many other paths and things that you still can explore. And that, like we said, it's one size does not fit all. It is, it has to be individualized and what works for one person may not work for another. So it's super exciting to think about that, um, you know, in terms of just all the different options that are out there and, and how, you know, again, with like a functional approach, you know, you talked about even just listening to our patients, right? There's so much that you can uncover by taking that time and, and having these systems in place can really help with that because, you know, in a functional or integrative approach, we're also you know, still under all of these pressures and time constraints and everything else that we see with, you know, conventional medicine, those absolutely still can impact us in this area, but having systems in place to be able to gather all of this information, to organize all the information, to really tell that story back to your patient and then listen and help to integrate even more of what they have to share and then just help them in creating and ordering and prioritizing all of these different treatment strategies and things that we have to offer them, partnering with those health coaches to be able to actually initiate them and assess them and follow up with them and then circle back around and track how everything's going. It's, it's a lot, it can feel overwhelming, but it's, it should hopefully be really exciting and inspiring for people to realize just how much we all have to offer and why we need more pharmacists and more practitioners learning about these things and able to help implement them. Yeah, so I wanna thank you too for coming on and speaking on this topic and just laying the foundation for our season and discussing the foundations of health and how to support that. And there's just so many more ideas that are coming to me about this now. But um, yeah, I'm so excited to keep exploring in the season. Any uh, parting words or sage 
wisdom to share from Jenna or Lauren? No, thank you so much for this conversation. I, you know, we were kind of talking beforehand, you know, we had to think about what holistic medicine actually means to us, because even those of us that work in this field and, and have it as part of our lives really had to think, how do I define this for myself? And so it was a great exercise for myself to think about this sort of thing as well. So I really appreciate that. Yeah. And I am super excited for this upcoming season as well. I think we just scratched the surface of so many different topics. And so it will be really exciting to get to deep dive into all of these different areas. Um, and so I know that there's going to be something out there for everyone. Yeah. So I just want to wrap it up by saying that trust between healthcare provider and patient or client, however they prefer to be addressed or called, whatever term is more comfortable. So that's important. Um, that's essential, right? For, for this to work, for healing to occur. And then education is very, very important on both sides as well, where we're equally educated on all options and we are aware that there are options and choices so that it feels good to, to go ahead with the option that feels best to you um, after having that education and that research component. And then thirdly, having a system of support in place and implementation and follow through So and follow up. So these are, I think, three key components where real change and real healing can occur. And an open mind, I think that that kind of goes without saying too. All right, so I wanna thank you, Dr. Castle and Dr. Carmichael for coming on. And I'm super excited to continue co-hosting with you and exploring holistic, functional, natural, every type of medicine under the sun. Thank you for tuning in to the Holistic Pharmacy Podcast. I truly hope you enjoyed listening to this episode as much as we enjoyed creating it. If you learned something new from it, I'd love if you could leave us a five-star review and share it with a friend who might love it too. You can find me on any of the podcast and social media platforms by looking up Holistic Pharmacist or Dr. Marina Booksub. Thank you for your support and see you next time.